Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. If you desire to uh, look at the notes for today's sermon, they're online at mylefc.com. You can click on uh, resources and you'll find them there as well. There's also a bulletin for you that those of you who want to have a church bulletin, it's all right there for you. So what do you do when you find yourself hitting what we would call a spiritual wall? When with everything in you, you, you want to believe in the goodness of God and yet you're wrestling with reality that's right in front of you. What do you do? Well, I want to jump into the book of Habakkuk. So you can go there in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. And before we get there, I'd like to read to you from an article that a friend of mine wrote. Yeah, he pastors the Faith Center in Eureka, California. His name is Matt Messner. And Matt is a really sharp pastor. Great. He and his wife, Heidi, are doing a great job at our sister Foursquare Church in Eureka. And he wrote an article in the Standard Paper up there in Eureka, and it was entitled, Time to Persevere. He says, a marathon isn't especially difficult until the last six miles of the 26.2-mile race. Runners know that at mile 20, there's an invisible barrier called the wall. And it's called that for a reason. It's the place where most marathon runners are not only tested, but they truly begin to suffer and slow down. I ran 18 marathons back when I was competing, and I'm slightly embarrassed to tell you that I hit the wall during 12 of those races. When this happens, the biggest challenge is trying to get to the finish line. But that challenge isn't really physical. It's a mental game and a test of one's ability to persevere. It's during these final six miles that a person may slow down to a walk. Dehydration sets in. Muscle cramps occur. Your mind tells you you can't go on. You feel like you're going slower than you really are. Your emotions become more extreme. You feel like dropping out. But if you persevere, there's a medal of celebration waiting for you at the end. You see, in a marathon, everyone who finishes really is a winner. When COVID-19 began to sweep across our world and nation, we all had our lives turned upside down. Our businesses closed, our schools closed, our social circles distanced. Our church was forced to do services strictly online, and we all had to work through the grief connected to this unexpected disaster. We accepted it for a season. The difficult thing is not knowing how long the season will last, how long before we run out of money, how long before our emotional state begins to drain out from us and anxiety begins to rise. How long can we deal with social isolation? And when can we visit our loved ones again? The longer this goes on, the more we're tested emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically. Mester uses Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, and he says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Although suffering is never fun, it can result in some positive outcomes. As we persevere toward the finish, we can become people of greater character and maturity. 
As this takes place, we become people who maintain hope through the end of the disaster. Now is the time to persevere, to stay the course, to pace yourself for the long race. Be steadfast and use the endurance that you are capable of. While doing all of this, have joy as you not only go through it, but grow through it. The wall is a painful test, but the finish line makes it worth it. Keep going. We are in this race together. Well, I love Matt's words. Actually, not only is Matt a former marathon uh, runner and a, and a, and a co- uh, college a track and field guy. He's also the coach for track and cross country at Eureka High School. One thing I remember about Matt when he was in Santa Barbara on staff at our Foursquare Church down on Alamar Street, I used to see him running and running, just running like a crazy guy everywhere. But notice what he says, even in the best of shape, you hit that wall and you feel like I just can't go on any longer. Well, Habakkuk feels that same thing. In chapter 1, he's, he's wondering where God is. And then God gives him a plan, and he's wondering why God's giving him this plan. He's questioning God. And in chapter 2 of Habakkuk, he's waiting. He's waiting. Now, remember, if you would, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about Habakkuk and his wondering, God, where are you? Well, I want to remind you that Habakkuk's name means to embrace and to wrestle. To embrace and to wrestle. I embrace the goodness of God on one hand, and I wrestle with life not being that good on the other hand. I I wrestle with a God who's made me precious promises, and then I understand that some of those promises aren't coming to pass. I embrace those promises, but then I wrestle with not seeing them come to pass when I want them to come to pass. The first thing we need to do when we find ourselves in this season, we need to, and it sounds simple, but get it, we need to listen to God. We need to listen to God. Here's the deal. We are listening to so much. I, I venture a guess If you use email like I do, your inbox is full with all kinds of things. Ads for products we need in this season, deals that we can get, and all kinds of information about what we can do in the season ahead. And because I'm in the church world, tons of church articles and information, how to be online, what content to use, how do you up your social media game. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I was reading an article that uh, was put out by firefighters in regards to psychological issues right now that a lot of our first responders and medical workers are feeling. And, And one of the points that they gave, they gave many, but one point was this, limit your media exposure and access reliable sources. Limit your media exposure. Limit some of that stuff on social media or all the TV channels that we can watch and all the news reports. You know, Mark Twain gave us some great wisdom many years ago. He said, what gets us into trouble is not what we don't know, it's what we know for sure that just ain't so. (laughs) We start believing things that really aren't true or standing on a report that somebody gives that really isn't factual. I was watching uh, the Twitter feed the other day 
and reading a, a post by somebody that was very derogatory about this season of COVID-19. And I clicked on their profile, and I won't tell you what their name was because, well, it doesn't matter. Their name's fictitious. It's just like someone with an opinion. That's their name. We have no idea where they live. We have no idea if they're actually a, a real person or not, or just some uh, computer-generated bot. We don't, we don't even know. But underneath their post was 118 comments. People were chiming in. Yeah, one guy said, uh, one man, L.A. And somebody else was, uh, one girl, Arkansas. We don't even know who these people are. And I actually started watching myself because my anger was starting to rise as I was reading this thread. And I was shouting at my phone, this is garbage, what's going on? And I thought, wow, I need to heed this advice to limit my media exposure and access reliable sources. Yeah, one person LA, I, I'm sorry, I'm really going to let them speak into my world. Now, I know none of you are guilty of this at all. None of you are guilty. Following certain Facebook comments and posts or people that are you know, filtered or unfiltered and and. But here's what I do know. We need to listen to God in this season like never before. Notice what Habakkuk 2.1 says. He said, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. By the way, what complaint? It's Habakkuk's complaint. In chapter 1, he's complaining. God, what's going on? Where are you? How come you're not doing things my way? And he actually says in chapter 2, I want to find out how God would answer my complaint. I want to listen to the Lord. And he does. Notice what he's doing here. He's positioning himself and he's posturing himself. I need to hear from God. You know, we encourage you a lot around here to read your Bible. And it's not for a checklist where you can say, yeah, I've done my duty today, read my chapters or whatever. But we just have learned, the Bible even says it, it's for correction and instruction and reproof so we can be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. That's why we encourage you to read every day and use the acronym SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And it's important. I'll show you in just a minute that here was Habakkuk, and he says, I'm going to listen to God. Well, one of the ways we get to hear the voice of the Lord is through the Bible, because we know that he breathed these words into men and women, and they wrote down what God had given them. It's his word to us. Sometimes God will speak to us through a song. Maybe God will speak to us through a message like this one. Maybe God will speak to you to a trusted, uh, spirit-filled friend. But be on the lookout to hear what God would have to say and listen to him. Even when, catch this, even when the answer is other than you want. Other than you want. Sometimes God will say yes. Sometimes God will say no. And sometimes God will say wait. And the words of the great theologian Tom Petty, the waiting is the hardest part. It's true. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait at all. Well, the Apostle Paul went through a season where he cries out to God. You can read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And he cries out to God and he says, Lord, I have this this thorn in my, my side, the thorn in the flesh. Now, some theologians believe that uh, the Apostle Paul was suffering from some blindness. That's why he had scribes come and write down some of the epistles that he would dictate to them from the prison because there was darkness in the prison and his eyesight wasn't that good. Other people believe he had physical ailments. We don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it was bothering him or the King James. It was buffeting him. And he cries out to God three different times, Lord, would you show me your power? Would you show me your power? Would you show me your power? And instead, God says, no, I'm not going to show you my power, but I'm going to show you my presence because I'm going to give you my grace. And my grace will be more than sufficient for you in this time of ailment, in this time of difficulty, in this time where there's a thorn in your flesh. Wow. Now, if God would have given him power, and he can do that, he's a powerful God. If God would have healed him, he can do that, he's a healing God. But God instead said, Paul, I want you to catch this. I want you to understand my grace. Now, when he says the word grace, he's not just talking about the grace that saves us, though that's powerful. He's talking about the totality of all the gifts that God's able to bring. I love that. The gifts of the Spirit, the gift of His presence, the gift of understanding and wisdom and knowledge. Hey, Paul, I'm going to give you all of the gifts that I have. I'm going to make sure that my grace will be more than, more than, more than enough for you. You know, sometimes as we grow in the Christian faith, we think the goal is to get to the place where we don't need to rely on God that much. Yeah, Lord, get me started like a little child with a tricycle and then later on a bicycle with training wheels and mom or dad will hold the seat with their finger and help the balance. And once I get going, I don't need you anymore, Lord. No, listen, I believe the longer we go with God and grow with God, the more mature we want to become, the more we are in need of God. We need His, pe- uh, His presence. We need to rely on Him. The, the, the second thing I want you to see is that we are to write it down. Yeah, we need to write down the vision that God gives us. We need to write down what God speaks to us through His Word and the promises that He makes to us. Habakkuk 2.2 says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. See, God will give you a word. God will give you faith. God will give you a moment of peace. God will illuminate some truth to you. And if you don't write it down... I know what the devil will do. He'll steal it from you because he loves to rob, to kill, to steal, to destroy. And pretty soon you'll forget the promises of God, especially when you go through a difficult season like the one we're in now. And then the third thing is you have to be willing to wait. Aren't you glad you tuned in to hear that? Yeah, I got to be willing to wait. I don't know about you. I don't like to wait. I like things now and Let's get it done. Let's move forward. Thank you very much. You know, a lot of people are very anxious about reopening everything. And I'm not an expert. I'm certainly uh, not well-versed on all of the CDC stuff, though I have a notebook in my office right now where we are studying Texas and Arkansas and other places where churches have reopened themselves. 
uh, we're actually coining the phrase re-gather, where we re-gather. And some people want to move forward and ahead. Well, all I know is this. We've got uh, three entities that we need to really, really hear from. First of all, we have a governor. And if you read Romans 13, it lets us know that even as the body of Christ, we need to listen to those in authority over us. We have a governor. And we pray for him. Yeah, Governor Newsom, pray for him. Then we have Santa Barbara County that's over us and our health department. And then we have, well, we're Foursquare. So we're a part of the Foursquare denomination. So when the governor says, okay, you can begin to regather, when the county says you can begin to regather, here's what it's going to look like. And then when Foursquare, that we're also submitted to, says it's time, we're going to regather. I got an email this week. When? When? And here's my answer. Wait. Wait. <laughs> be willing to wait. I don't know when that will be. By the way, I don't know if everybody understands, even in the regathering in other states, what's going on. I read about one church where they have 200 members, and it takes 35 people to deal with the parking to guide people into the sanctuary, to sterilize things, to make sure people that don't live together and haven't been quarantined together are social distancing six feet each direction, every row and every chair. And I can just tell you, it's more than you want to hear right now. But we're working diligently to come up with a plan. And when we come up with that plan, here's two things that we know. The plan will be the best that we have in the moment, but the plan can change as everything's rapidly changing all the time. How many children can gather in one room? Will nurseries be allowed to be open? Uh, how do we take the offering? Can't pass the plate. How do you do communion? Oh, can't pass the communion plate either. So without boring you right now, because we're going to get back to Habakkuk, We've got to understand there's a waiting, but I just wanted you to know, and I'd like you to pray for us, we're trying to make sure that we can put into practice and write it down the best way that we're going to regather when that time comes. And when that time comes, we're going to make sure with clarity, everybody that's a part of LFC, all of you that have been watching online, there are some people in our community that have been watching our services, they have no church home. And we want to make sure that they are welcomed here as well. But besides contending for the presence of God, we want to make sure that we're submitted and surrendered to those in authority over us. But the paramount issue is the safety and health of every one of our men, our women, our youth, and our children that we're doing things the best way. Habakkuk 2.3, back to him. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, and surely. Look at those words. Slowly, steadily, and surely. Kind of the way we're going to regather. It's going to be done in phases. We're not sure how it looks, but it will be slowly. It will be steadily. It will be surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. In other words, what God has planned for your life, Nothing can stop it. What God has for your future, nothing can stop it. 
But here's three words. Get ready. Just be patient. Wow. They will not be overdue a single day. Waiting is much worse. But you wait and you wait on the faithfulness of God. The God who is with us. The God who is for us. The God who will never leave us nor forsake us. It's His faithfulness. Is God going to take care of our finances? Yep. Is God going to deliver me from my depression and my, my anxiety? I believe He will. Let me read this same verse in a different version, the God's Word version. Habakkuk 2.3 says the vision will still happen at the appointed time. It hurries towards its goal, and it won't be a lie. If it's delayed, wait for it. It will certainly happen. It won't be late. I love that phrase, appointed time. Because in the Hebrew, it really tells us that it's an appointed time that God has appointed. It's perfect, and it's unstoppable. Nothing can stop it. See, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. If it's not God's time, you can't press it. You can't force it. But when it is God's time, I love this, you can't stop it. I think about our seniors, the class of 2020. We're going to be honoring them on June 7th. You'll hear more about that uh, during our services. I think about those eighth graders who don't have their, their graduation time getting ready to go to high school. Actually, this year was going to be our third year where we helped Vandenberg Middle School with their eighth grade picnic, and we supply the food and lots of things for that, but that's not going to happen. We think about the flower festival where we give away water and candy every year on the parade route. Well, that's not going to happen either. A lot of things have changed, but here's what I know. God's timing is perfect. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. Habakkuk 2.4, he says, See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. That word his is referring to God's faithfulness. The righteous will live by the faithfulness of God, not the headlines. The righteous will live by the faithfulness of God. Not by how we feel, but by God's faithfulness. I know that's easy to say, but that really is our solid rock we stand upon. The truth of God's Word that says God will always be faithful. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1.17 actually quotes this verse where he says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, and he's referring to Habakkuk 2.4, The righteous will live by faith. Or in other versions, the just shall live by faith. And then we go down to verse 20 of Habakkuk chapter 2. And Habakkuk is getting it. I love it when lights come on. I got it. I got it. Here's what he gets. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. What do you mean be silent before him? Habakkuk, you were just complaining about God and asking him, what are you up to, God? Why are you doing it this way? And now he comes to understand the faithfulness of God, and he says, you know what? God's God's in his holy temple. In other words, God is seated on the throne, 
God is in control. Wow. Even while I have to wonder, even while I have to wait, even while I embrace the truth of God and wrestle with what life looks like, I'm able to stop and say, God, you are in control. Even though things are a mess and some things aren't going the way that we want them to, even though some of the moms on Mother's Day aren't having the Mother's Day they wish they could have, and even though some moms, like one who texted me this week, said, I'm about to pull out my hair. Why? I've got four kids at home. Wow. Yeah. Hey, listen, whatever you're facing right now, would you remember this? While you embrace the goodness and faithfulness of God and you wrestle with life itself, remember that God is on the throne. Remember that God is in his holy temple. And remember that God deeply cares about you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.